Welcome to another episode of Behind the Mic. This is a Vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. As you know by now, this podcast is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. In each episode of Behind the Mic, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry and most importantly, the person behind the mic. In this episode of Behind the Mic, I'm checking in with UK R&B artist Jasmine. Jasmine is a solo artist and also sings vocals for friend of the pod, Rayowa. In the last six months, she has put a lot more effort into this solo career, putting out a new single, which I went to see her perform live recently at the Hoxton Underbelly in London. In this episode, we discuss how Jasmine got into music and singing when she lived in Fiji before she moved to the UK as a young adult and how she joined Rayowa. We discuss the very high highs and sometimes very big lows that come with being in the music industry and the grind it can sometimes be to gain traction and momentum. We also explore how the upper echelons of the music industry are very male dominated and how she navigates that as a female artist and being the only female in Rayowa too. For Jasmine's mental health, we discuss her mixed heritage of white British and Singaporean, her parents' divorce when she was a teenager, and the effect that had on her mental health as a teenager and young woman, particularly as it was quite a messy one. We finish by discussing the therapy she sought to deal with the mental health consequences of the divorce, self-doubt, and confidence issues. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go behind the mic with Jasmine. Jasmine, welcome to Behind the Mic. Thank you so much for coming on letting me check in with you. Thank you for coming all the way to my flat in East London to record this. I know you were a bit nervous in the run-up. You were wondering if you even had enough to say in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes. How are you, pal? How's your Easter Sunday as we record? Yes, happy Easter. I'm really happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. It has, it has, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations for me as well. Life got away. This is like, the third, this is like uh, the third I have a night out. Please, can we move the podcast? <laughs> That's what normally happens. <laughs> yes. But no, I'm, I'm just, I'm really happy to be here to talking about music and mental health. And Excellent. Like We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about you as a solo artist. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about your work in Rayowa. I've interviewed almost every single member of Rayowa now, to be fair. So without further ado, are you ready to start the show? Yes. Let's go. Let's start behind the mic as we always do by talking about your music journey, Jazz. So I ask all my music guests this question first. Tell me how Love Affair with Music began. Who are some of your favourite artists you listened to growing up? And when did you first start singing or playing instruments? Okay. So I don't really play instruments. I play a little bit of guitar mm-hmm. and piano. You dabble. I dabble. It yeah. helps with songwriting, but I am a singer and I've mm-hmm. been singing for a long, long time. A vocalist is the uh, more vocalist, professional term. Vocalist, yes, yeah. I mean yeah. vocalist. <laughs> vocalist, but obviously now songwriter as well. Yeah. Like, I like writing melodies and... And producing telling... a bit now as well, aren't you? Yes, yeah. yes. I think yeah. hopefully by the end of the year I can like be able to like produce a beat. Okay. Or something like that, yeah. That's I think a big it's goal. just learning. Yeah, it's just <laughs> learning and giving myself like the tools and like the language to produce music. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, I think I used to sing around the house. Or, mm-hmm. Sing to uh, yourself, right? Probably, yeah. but like I didn't really think about music and it was basically it was just my parents that were like oh my gosh you can sing 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 this is the, sing. Act, this is the impression that you do for them all the time <laughs> yeah because it is okay. annoying and even with my family like as much as i love them but every time it's like sing jasmine sing and i'm like i don't want to sing i just want to relax <laughs> i have an off button <laughs> no, i know please yeah so i was quite young and they were like sing 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 and i'm like oh, okay. oh like family do's and stuff like kind of pressure yeah yeah all the time okay you know yeah the family's over we you know and then they're all like okay it's time for jasmine to sing now and i'm just like okay <laughs> i actually remember having the memory like why are they pushing this onto me like i clearly i don't think i can't hear what they yeah, did yeah, here yeah, of course and i think i sang at a school assembly the first time and i remember like some kids like putting their hands like it's oh, <laughs> not a good start i was young yeah, i was yeah, really yeah. young that's not a good start so I was like, okay, well, kids thanks fruit, a lot, that's parents. Kids are fruit, like, man. That's instant yeah, feedback. I know. Oh my god. I know. I was like, oh, okay. And then I think a few years later, they like put 
me in a singing competition. I think mm. I did like two there. Not the X Factor in, in Fiji. Like no, no, no. <laughs> just just a, some, X Factor some Fiji. Local ones. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a small. That's a small niche. There's <laughs> <laughs> ten people in the queue. <laughs> there was like some small singing competitions, so then I mm-hmm. I did them, and then I actually I did quite well. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I I can like sing an so That's a bit too. confidence you needed then. Pretty much. So then when I sang at the next school assembly <laughs> a few years later. No, 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 yeah, okay. no, no, that's, that's a tick. Yeah. That's it an was achievement. Like, there was some cheers and some right. clapping. So I was like, okay, that's maybe. a bonus. The cheers, yeah, not 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 the kids putting their ears, uh, hands over their like, ears. Kids yeah. are mean, right? Oh, like, why are they? Why are they putting their hands over their ears? Um, and then yeah, then it just sort of started from there. So I was singing, singing, singing. So I've just been saying the word singing mm. for so long now. So who are you listening to then when you were gaining that confidence in singing? Um, or inspiration like did you try and emulate anyone any of their styles like mariah or i don't know that, there was a, a lot harder, of there was still. a lot of christina aguilera yeah sing-alongs like in front of the mirror what christina era are we talking are we talking dirty era are we talking later yeah, that, candy that... candy era? yeah yeah so the back to basics album oh, and the an one iconic before. album and the, you know you know when she sang like i am beautiful yeah all that stuff you know like singing the, the fighter album yes 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 and i listened to a lot of Britney. Britney is like my number one. So you, you were well immersed in the Britney versus Christina battle I was just obsessed. of the mid noughties. Yeah, I feel like it's funny because, you know, people growing up, they're like, yeah, I listen to like Ella Fitzgerald. And I listen to like <laughs> all these people. And, I, you know, I did. I listened to like, I guess Stevie Wonder. I listened to a lot of like my dad's music. Like mm-hmm. me and my dad used to always sing Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. Like in the, the car. Oasis. Oasis. Yeah. That's proper basic bitch vibes, that. Yeah. But the, I didn't know it was because we used to be in the car together and we used to always put on, just like him and I, we, we used to always, you know, sing along. We're like, wow, this is such a good song. And then when I moved here, I realized that people were like, oh, Obsessed with it. Obsessed, yeah. but also it's like, Yeah, ABC. People don't take it seriously. Fish, Fisher Price songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, why all the then? Yeah. But Britney and Christina were your go-tos. I think so. If, if what I can remember, yeah. And Nelly Furtado as well. Oh, are like we talking Timberland? Nelly Furtado. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah Timberland. Yeah. Timberland. Tim- as well. Timberland. Nelly Furtado era is is OG. Yeah. Like, I used to listen to Nelly Furtado like. Give it in to me. Is, room was, and, like, oh cry. man. It, do you know the song "All Good Things Come to an End"? What by Nelly? Yeah. I don't think I've heard. Is that was that on her "I'm Like a Bird" album? No, no. It was okay, one, that was Timberland album, right? Thing, the one up with like promiscuous girl oh yeah yeah, that. yeah yeah that's the one that's the one yeah yeah yeah. so i used to listen to the song like cry in my room <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like everything's, everything's coming out now. to an end you know like 13 years old yeah quite dramatic i think i've always been quite at a like an emotional emotive way. person jazz that's what we would say yeah. emotive person yeah. so given you know the perhaps slight pushiness of uh your parents into singing or making you sing. Are you now a lot more grateful to them now than you were back then? Yeah. A thousand percent. I think yeah. they saw something that I don't think I, I would be where I am right now if it wasn't for them sort of pushing me, nurturing me, giving for- me that support. Start, yeah. <laughs> forcing, you know, sometimes you need that push. Mm. Do you and feel like you needed that? Yeah, for sure. Confidence wise, yeah. And I know not everyone gets to grow up with that kind of support mm-hmm. when it comes to creative and um, music. You know, they could have mm. been like, Especially my mom, you know, I've got an Asian mom. She could have been like, she a, ta- she a, a tiger mom. She a tiger mom. Oh, I don't know. What that a tiger means. mom is like a slang term. It's what in Asian parents, it's like a, like a pushy. So like, I'm going to make my child do this and do this because I know it will be, make them succeed in later <laughs> life. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, a little not bit. really like, a bit of that. I mean, like there's expectations like you need to do well in school. Both my yeah, parents, yeah, 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 you know, so you need to do well. You need to, you know. But yeah, they could have been like, no, no music for you. You need to go to law school or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't, so the foot, was it wasn't just... Footloose vibes. It was more pushing yeah. you into it. Yeah. yeah oh, You're good. You must do it. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think things did kind of like chill in the end. This is like okay. when I was really young. Really like, young. Sing, okay. sing, sing, you know. Okay. And yeah, every family function, just sing. And it, it's, it I still bet you found that now. more pressure now it still than, happens than like, performing oh in front of 300 people. <laughs> but like, for example, because, you know, I, I sing all around London. Mm-hmm. You know, helps me pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But like I sang in my cousin's wedding like twice, I think it was like a few months ago. And I just get so nervous. Family's different pressure, isn't it? Yes. And it's the wedding and people are like, you have to sing, you have to sing, you have to sing. And I'm like, I just want to drink and relax Mm. with my family. Like, I think for me. They pay you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they should have done. Yeah, they should have done. It's just a different pressure. You know, I just want to just chill anyway. Yeah. So, but I love them too. Okay. Let's talk about Jasmine now. And your solo career. So you've been putting out singles for what? The last three, four years? 
Slowly, yes. Slowly, yeah. That's why I said singles and not albums <laughs> or projects. Yes. <laughs> I worded that yes. one carefully. So just tell me how this journey began into you doing it on your own and then the kind of more work that you've been putting in the last six to seven months and kickstarting it again, basically. I think it took me like a long time just to release the first song. I think for me, why it's taken so long, it's just, again, it's the mental health behind this. And, and life and work-life life, balance. Yeah, yeah of course. You know, and in between these singles was two years of COVID where mm. I was just like, what is going on? I filled that time with podcasts because I had nothing else to do. See, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. Whereas I think... So, so did everyone else though. That was the problem. Every, <laughs> every person known to man started everyone a podcast was. and now they're all gone. <laughs> are they gone? Oh, so many podcasts are gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. So many people who Well, you're start... still here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, like, I'm the last one standing. There's a lot yes. of uh, graveyard podcasts. Okay. They're like, oh, I started this in lockdown and then like life started again and then 90% of them are just dormant now. So. <laughs> that's but, yeah. a shame, but I'm glad that you're still uh floating you're still oh there. yeah 237 episodes later yeah it's uh it's still going but anyway back to you back to you <laughs> like, first single first single yes that was god i don't know what, what year was that i feel like even you know uh i think your first single was either 2019 or 2020 yes okay no you're right it was it was 2019 i think or 2018 anyway <laughs> it was a long time ago and it took so long just to put that song out it was a very different vibe to your latest single as well and your latest single was like Afrobeats stuff. Yes, it's, it's, yes, yeah, yes. It's R and B, and it, but yes. it's Afrobeats, and I think I think the whole point, especially if you hear from the first single till now, you can hear the journey mm-hmm. of growth as well. I've been really working on my tone, and if you hear the very first song, which is called "Let Go," I sound very, I sound young. I think I sound a lot younger. <laughs> it's probably because you now, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I feel like my tone is a lot more mature, and I've been working on like. The softness and more like... The sultriness as well. Sultry, it's very thank sultry. thank you. Sultry mm. and also using more deeper tones mm-hmm. and lots of vocal layering. Like reverb and vocal layering. Yeah. 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 And I think it's just taking time to figure out like, who am I as an artist? What am I trying to say? What are you trying to say? Who are you as an who artist? Who am I? Yeah. Me? So I've just been like releasing like one or two, one or two. Whereas now I... I was asking I for an feel... answer to that, by the way, but... Oh, what, what that was, was a rhetorical question. I was who saying, who are you as an who artist? Who am I? I was yeah. still trying to find out. Yeah. So you've obviously said there about experimenting with different sounds. So would you say you have a particular sound for the listeners? Like, how would you describe yourself? Okay, I would say I'm an alternative R&B artist. Mm-hmm. I like melodies. I love vocal layering. Like, mm-hmm. I don't just have, like, just one voice. I, like, have, like, 20 vocals, like, all stacked together RBC loves that right now doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. for me I like to make my vocals sound like they're kind of breathing mm-hmm. I don't know interesting yeah I like that I maybe like you that. can you can put like a like a clip of like one oh, of my I've, songs here and then, the, you, then you, you can hear that. what I mean <laughs> <laughs> oh that's interesting okay so so almost and like yeah, your... the sultriness and like the softness because I think growing up now like when I said when I was younger I listened to like Christina Aguilera whereas now I realized my tone is actually more softer which goes yeah, back to the Britney strong. yeah yeah hers the is... whole Britney yeah. softness like I love like Kali Uchis mm-hmm. right now I love do you know on the internet mm-hmm. Sid her tones I just love like soft the Janet Jackson kind okay. of um so then what would you say in comparison to like some of the other female R&B artists so like Victoria Monet Victoria Monet like in a uh, Solange, like so all these yeah. names, those are like my icons. LMA. LMA, yeah, yeah. LMA as well. I don't really know too much of LMA stuff. LMA's but, really good. But like good. Summer Walker. Oh, okay. Um, so that, because yeah, so, that scene, I would say, is stronger than the male R&B scene right now, pretty much. I don't think there's a lot of amazing male R&B artists out there. There's probably, there's definitely a few. I mean, like Bryson Tiller's been around for, for yonks. You've still got like Brent Fires and people like that. But I yes. think the, the collection of female artists is a lot stronger, I would say. The stable, shall we say. Artists. And there's quite a lot of really good UK artists like yourself and there's people like Thank Kelly Kiara. So yeah, I think the scene's really big. Really you know good. how you say like Brent Fires? Mm-hmm. There's another one of my heroes. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, obsessed. The thing is, I feel with R&B, it's really big in the States. Mm-hmm. Here, I don't think it gets enough recognition no. because there is it's not a dominant, a huge it's not a dominant scene right now. It's yeah, all yeah. underground, yeah. But, but there's a big community and mm. people are following like these artists, but I don't know. It doesn't get the recognition I think it deserves yet. yet. I think yeah. hopefully like mainstream 
will start like well Ella May's massive Georgia Smith she's in the she's in the states she had to go to the states to make it big yeah Mahalia yeah yeah love Mahalia yeah yeah Um, I think I don't know how to pronounce it's Mahalia or Mahalia I also really enjoyed Scissor's last album don't okay another one she's one of the few artists I can listen to and it's like 15 tracks I'm like yeah every track is good here because a lot of people are putting out a lot I don't know why hip hop and R&B I think Spotify but I think a lot of hip hop and R&B artists just put out like 18 track albums it's like no one's listening to this unless you got 15 bangers unless you put 15 bangers on it no one is listening all the way through front to back to 11 18 track album people are just going to take their favorite hits and put them on spotify play this that's why they do it chris brown put out a 50 track album like two years ago no one's listening to that are you sure have you seen you've not seen the 50 tracks people are obsessed with chris brown i know but 50 tracks people i'm telling you there's people 45 of those better be good I haven't. I didn't even know this. This uh, he it was a deluxe version of an album he put out. I think two or three years ago. Oh, there's yeah. there's definitely like the fans that are listening. Oh, I don't even know about that. Right, let's talk about Rayowa because you are in the band. You've been in the band for for quite a while. The listeners will know if they've bothered to listen to the previous episodes. I've interviewed Dan. I've interviewed Reese. I've interviewed Mick. I've interviewed Pete. So and I've I'm gone through most of you. Yeah, now here we are, Jazz. <laughs> Honored. Yeah. So how did you join the band? What has it given you and your music career and, and your mental health, I guess, being in that massive collective? It's really nice. Mm. It's really nice. Cause, so I have like my own solo thing and mm-hmm. then I perform and same mm-hmm. with them. And that's like my two originals projects. That's all I'm doing right now. That's like enough. That's a lot to do. That's, that's enough. A lot to do. Yeah. That's a lot to do. And yeah. yeah, it's nice. So I get to express myself in like different mm-hmm. ways. The drummer of Rayoa is his name Nico, is Nico. Yeah. Nico and I have been friends for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We went to uni together, and I don't know if they were. I think they were doing auditions or something, but they were asking around. They needed like a female vocalist, mm-hmm. and Nico did sort of put me forward as one of the people to audition for to audition for Rayoa. And I think I, I met them before. I might have worked with Reese. Maybe I, like he like can we like produce something beforehand? So yeah, and then they like my voice, and then now we're actually one big family. Like mm. it's crazy how we've become a family mm. how like it's very loving respectful and dysfunctional yeah <laughs> i definitely get that family <laughs> all three family, yeah. everyone is so lovely but it has their own like little it's chaos <laughs> organized chaos and, and yeah. It, yeah it's chaotic but it was very chaotic in the beginning it, it was like you arrive to rehearsal and it's like two hours late <laughs> sorry boys if the real ones are listening i love you gang but, like <laughs> but now they're on it like everyone's on it there's i feel like there's been a change and definitely from speaking to dan and reese there's been a change in their mindset and their focus and and they've kind of been through a lot but they've come out the other end of that and they seem really there seems like a synergy now as to kind of the objective as to what they want to achieve with it and hopefully bring everyone along with it so yeah i'm excited i'm excited and the best part of all is like the music is good like, oh yeah love, like, yeah yeah it it slaps i love yeah, yeah. every time i go on stage and i sing the songs very well and i invite all my friends you know all the friends mm. you, you saw at like my gig i always like they always come through for the real gigs it's always good fun and we're getting our festival dates for this summer mm. we're coming through now mm. so that's exciting mm. talk to me about the gig then because i said in the intro that i came to see you perform at hoxton underbelly you were on a, a three women lineup so to speak and yeah i really enjoyed it talk to me about your experience Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoy every gig. <laughs> I enjoy every gig I go to. It was a little R&B night mm-hmm. curated by DNU Live, which is like a R&B blog uh, in London. And they were nice to, to ask me. You know, mm. I, they hadn't seen me perform live or anything, you know, because I haven't performed my originals in years. So that was like the first gig back after so long. And it went well. Yeah, you know, I, like, you feel, pe- I people, it. people came through and I feel like... Jasmine from a few years ago would have looked at that night and be like, oh yeah, I have been working towards that moment for a long time to sing at like an R&B night mm-hmm. in London. Mm-hmm. You know, like I definitely like romanticized that moment for a long time, even though it was a small little event mm-hmm. and it was like an all-female lineup. You know, I was singing with, I was, it was in the middle of the night. You came on second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a yeah. second act. So the first act was Violet, <laughs> the second one, uh, the last one was Eli and they were amazing and just to be to be asked to invited to sing alongside them it was an honor mm. and you have to really think about all the wins the small mm-hmm. ones and the big ones and i think that was definitely a, a little bit of a full circle moment for me mm. so you romanticized the moment did it feel as romanticized in it you know i'm gonna be completely honest like everyone that came through was really supportive and it felt good 
but part of me is like, okay, this is the beginning. Good. Let's go. Good mindset to have. Let's that's go. The, that's what the answer there's, I wanted to hear, there's, Jazz. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of work because I was looking back at the videos and I was like, okay, I'm on the right track, but I want to like elevate yeah. everything. Yeah. Like the way I perform, the way I sing. So I wasn't like too negative. It's just more like, okay, this is this is the beginning. Yeah, this is what went well. First step. And this is what can improve. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, the next gig I want to do is sort of in summer with new material. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, there might be another... Who knows, mate? Who knows what time this goes out? Who knows what events there might be around? TBC, (laughs) TBC. One question I always try and ask on Behind the Mic Jazz is about the realities of the music industry on artists for their audience who might not know, even for their friends and family. So some guests obviously talk about work-life balance. Some guests talk about other things. Just tell me about your experience here. Okay, so I am an independent artist. So that means I just do things independently. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm just I just create things, like create music and visuals, and I'm just posting it and uploading Copy everything, everything by myself. Yeah. yeah, like I don't have anyone else helping me at the moment. I think my aim would be just put out loads of content this year and then hopefully try to find a manager or something mm-hmm. next year. So my only sort of take on the industry is through friends and like, for example, like Rayoa, you know, they have like industry connections and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And listening to their stories, there's a lot of middlemen that are, what, there's a lot of snakes. People. Yeah, yeah. Industry people, there's just a lot of snakes and... People offering you the world and then... Right? Yeah. So in a way, because people are, you know, the questions are coming slowly. Like, so who are you working with? Like, who's your manager and stuff? I'm like, really, there's, there's no one. And I'm just sort of, it's a low-key Such blessing. Such question, isn't it? Yeah, who are you yeah, working yeah. with who right now? Who are you working now? with? Because yeah. I think... I'm really not that kind of person anyway. Like, I don't go, oh, yeah, I, you know, like name drop. And, uh, oh, but I, I don't that. even have names to drop anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just sort of putting things out there. and Gaining some momentum, I guess, is the, probably the aim. Yeah, and I think the blessing in that is that I can make my own decisions and sort of... Say with your chest. Say with your chest. You no, know, I, I can make my own decisions and put the art I want to put out and there's mm-hmm. nothing stopping me. There's no companies withholding my music. Like, you know, you've heard the whole thing with Ray. Oh, so many labels. And yeah, how yeah. she, you've heard about like... Yeah, Ray's I know story. about she's Ray. Like, yeah, I know about Ray's stuff. Yeah. She's amazing. And obviously she's... Probably don't really missed out on that. I'm telling you that. <laughs> that number one album went went up <laughs> Beyond number one. Yeah, yeah. She, she's amazing. Obviously I'm not, you know, I'm nowhere near where she is at... But yeah, I think, you know, at some point I will need to get into like industry stuff. But for mm-hmm. now, I think it's just... Baby steps. Baby steps yeah. and working on getting that following and putting the art out there and seeing what comes mm-hmm. of it and just enjoying the process. Mm. Well, you talk about the process there. When it comes to live performance, obviously that's what you love the most. So what does the stage provide for your mental health, firstly? Um, it's a really strange place to be when it comes to my actually i think i prefer the songwriting process oh, okay yeah why is that i think when you're collaborating with someone and you're in flow flow state i don't mm-hmm. know if you've been in flow the state zone. yeah the zone and you're trying to write the song and the challenge is to write a good song and then you hit this moment where it's like you know it's flowing well i think those are my favorite moments but mm. the stage when it comes to my stuff I feel really terrified before I go on. Like before that gig, that mm-hmm. gig you came to, the underbelly, everyone was like, oh my God, hi. Like yeah, all the yeah, best. And you were like, I'm in the zone I was like, I was like thank you prepare. guys, but yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm all weird and moody right now because like, I'm... Yeah, you're, you're in the zone. In yeah, the zone yeah. and like, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. You know, this is the first time. You couldn't be distracted. I knew that you were like, I was like, <laughs> I just like, quickly say hi just, and I'll go yeah, back yeah, to the I crowd. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is weird. Because when people come to your gig, you have to host them as well. But then when I got off stage, I felt so good. And I was like, it's the constant extremes, like the, the highs, highs and, and the lows, lows when yeah. it comes to doing this music journey, for real. What's the best show you've done for your mental health then? Well, the one you went, oh, I absolutely smashed that. And then I felt 10 feet tall for the next week. I played at Cambridge Club with Rayoa mm-hmm. last year and we played on the main stage. That was my first UK festival I've, I've ever played at. And then I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed yeah, to yeah, feel yeah. like. This is what people do and... You know, I was singing and I could hear my vocals, like, you know, just obviously surrounding, like, mm-hmm. the field. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this, this, is, what is, I, this, is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, Has there ever been a bad show that you've done? And most importantly for my listeners, what did you learn from it? Uh, when I say bad show, I don't mean you performed badly as such, but I mean something went wrong with the sound or, you know, someone turned up late or... Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like with gigs and stuff, those things are always inevitable, mm-hmm. but... There was another gig I did with Rio and it, and it wasn't Rio's fault. Like right. everyone turned up on time, but the sound was so 
awful. <laughs> it was so bad that like throughout the whole first song, one of the band members was just yelling to the microphone, like, I can't hear myself. I can't <laughs> hear myself. And there I, I am. I could have probably guesses to and be that there way, I yeah. am. But the thing is, the guests, like no one cared. They, no one was looking at us. I yeah, know. No one look, was looking. And like the person who was supposed to be in charge of us was just like, eating food on the side and like didn't care and then and i was trying to sing and be like look you have to like fake it till you make it you have to just like kind of just sing you know even if you can't hear yourself and just obviously between songs then say oh i can't hear myself um Mm -hmm. but yeah the takeaway from that is just just push through and to the person in our band that was yelling i can't hear myself i can't hear myself you need to chill for a moment (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to issues in the industry you wanted to talk about jazz we've spoken a little bit about it already you know being an independent artist so when it comes to being an independent artist there was a perhaps frustration you spoke to me off air about about the grind of the music industry and the constant work that you have to put in sometimes for very marginal gains just tell me about that impact on your mental health it's very annoying. Mm. I'm not going to lie because at points, especially I have to be my own cheerleader. Yes. You know, people, um, people are like, why are you doing this? Or even I ask myself, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting music on Spotify to get 0.0002p or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I do it because it's fun. And I have to remember that creating art is fun. But I think what it is, it's, it's the never ending sort of cycle. It's like, okay, you mm. put a TikTok. Okay, great. Now you have to be working on the next one, like and posting ASAP and and the singles, and it's just yeah, it's just constantly, constantly, constantly doing things. So yeah, obviously at some point you're gonna question yourself, like why am I doing this? I'm not getting any any gains at the moment, but mm. it's for the the hope, the greater good, the, the greater yeah. well, because yeah. like if you keep being consistent, surely something's Eventually gonna come your way. Off, yeah. It will pay off, mm. and in music and art, the payoffs can be massive. massive. So Mm. it is, yeah, the potential is there. Yeah. The other issue you wanted to talk about is representation in the music industry, especially for women. Now I've spoken to a music producer called LP Joby, who's fucking massive now. And she runs Femme House and she works a lot with trying to get women who are not just artists, but behind the camera as well, you know, producers or lighting managers or, you know, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff that women probably don't get as much to do. So, how does that affect your visibility as a female artist and what needs to change here? I think it's people just giving more opportunities to yeah. women, especially women of colour. And there is that kind of stuff, you know, like grants. Like the UK mm-hmm. is really good for like opportunities like that. And I think it just... More of it. More, more mm. visibility. Because obviously if little girls are watching other like women mm-hmm. like produce music and making hits mm-hmm. and, and all that, they're obviously going to be like, oh, I can do that. Mm. And there wasn't a lot of that. I feel mm. like a lot of the time women are used in the music industry like the front person rather than the person who's doing oh, loads like, of stuff behind. You know, music videos. How many, you know, like oh, the, 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 narr- the narrative. I think is the term you're. Yeah, and I get to it. Here. Yeah, women are amazing. <laughs> women, women are beautiful. But like, that's the storyline. Is that, that yeah. there's just a beautiful woman rather than yeah. like, what is she thinking about? Like, who are you? You know, yeah. the side candy. Yeah. Yeah, and to use a I feel like term, it, but, it's yeah. nice, but it's also like we've seen that like so. Mm. For so long now, like let's change the narrative and let's have more women produce music because I think there's different stories to tell rather than the same. Yeah, you are also oh, the only woman in Rayowa. I am. So the only woman how in does Rayowa. that? How does that go? <laughs> yeah. How does that go? It's funny because my mom like always laughs at me. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, so like, like you're the only girl in the band. Like, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, mom, it's fine." I, I think, think they I think are quite protective of you as well, the boys. I would imagine. In a good way, not yeah, in a, yeah, a yeah, weird not in way. a bad way. Yeah, yeah. I'm in, the, I'm in the live music scene. Yeah. Everyone's a man. Like, mm. yeah, sound engineers and you got lighting and then the band. So I'm usually the only girl or the singer is usually a girl, yeah. you know. So with Rayoa, I think from the outside in, I wonder if people would assume that like, oh, they're like a bunch of Essex lads. Like surely, <laughs> you know. No, don't, don't judge Brick by its cover. Don't judge Brick No, and cover. they're not. They're actually really respectful to me like i know that if i have something to say they will listen and they never i know because if they were dickheads i wouldn't Mm. be there you Mm, know exactly they are so lovely i think sometimes it can feel a little bit like lads on tour or like like i'm on a stag do like when we go to uh... well like it would would be reversed it was an all-female group and one man like it would be girls night out every week (laughs) but you know but no they are lovely and I don't know if they. I think if they, if there was if they wanted to get another band member, they need to get a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. If no, they wanted to if add you're Dan, and something yeah. something else, you need to get. Yeah. I think enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's reflect then on your 
music journey. So what has it taught you about yourself? My music journey has taught me to trust myself and trust the process and find good people around you that are making art for the love of it and not for ego, I think. And that's always hard to find. I think finding your in tribe the, in the industry, in the as industry, well, yeah. in the industry, because it is like it is a lot of it is based on ego, especially when as well. very transactional with the industry. People are like, yeah. oh, I was listening to this one podcast. I don't know, I can't remember the name and stuff. And like, it got Good. so don't, boring. Don't give them free promotion <laughs> <of mine. laughs> And it was so boring because the whole podcast was just these two people going, oh yeah, like this person works with this person, and like, oh yeah, I know this person because this person. It's just name dropping and. Yeah, I'm really... That's trash. That. I think it's, it's a bit boring. Yeah. On a podcast as well, they must be boring <laughs> people. Oh my days. Yeah, it's just not my vibes. That works for some people great. But I think for me, it's trusting myself. I think for so long, I really doubted myself. I was just like, why am I... I don't, I don't know why. I know now I can sing. Like, How many more experiences do I need to know that I can sing and I can write songs? And Listen to yourself saying this, pal. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think... Kind of growing up, I was very like a bit of an emotional kid. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, you're so sensitive. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, that is my, yeah, that's my superpower. Being yeah. empathetic and being sensitive because that does help with the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like thinking about other people's stories and different points of view mm-hmm. rather than, I don't know. You need a bit of sensitivity. I'm sorry. Yeah, you need to be able, I'm here to express my emotions and hopefully through music, maybe other people can express theirs as well. And I think, yeah, for me, it's just trusting myself and knowing that to trust like my intuition and gut feeling and, and go with the flow, man. If universe gave me music, just go with the flow. Just allow it and enjoy. We talked all about your music journey as Jasmine. Let's go behind the mic and talk about your mental health journey, Jazz. So I ask all my special guests this question as we go into this topic. Take me back to early life, childhood, teenage years. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Jasmine we meet here? As a child, Mm -hmm. we're going to go deep now. Whatever you want, mate. (laughs) I think the biggest sort of events that have affected my mental health was when my parents had their separation divorce. Mm -hmm. It was like a really long two-year thing and it involved like properties and then, you know. It was messy. It was really messy and really, really sad. How old were you at the time? I think it was between the ages of like 12 and 14. You know, I have to be honest with you. Like I've actually like repressed a lot of these things. Like, mm-hmm. have you heard about mm-hmm. repressed, repressed memories? Repressed memories, yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's a lot of moments in these years where I just can't remember. I can't remember anything. So the like my sister... Pr- your mind's tried to protect you and blocked it yeah, out. Yeah, so yeah. So my, my sister would be like, oh, like, do you remember that memory, a teenager or something like eating this food mm. or whatever? And I'm like, I literally can't remember. Is your sister older than you? She's four years younger. She's four years younger and she remembers this more clearly. Oh, that's interesting. She's, okay. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I've just kind of blocked out. Does she process it differently then, do you think? Do you feel like you emotionally processed it differently as sisters? Yes. And we had different experiences of like what went down. Okay. I guess because you were older, you had more self-awareness at the time. Maybe she was younger and she wasn't. No, no, as... no, no, no. Okay. She's very, we both had to grow up very quickly. Because of the divorce. Yeah, I yeah. had to grow up, I think, yeah. in the beginning because both my parents were just confiding mm-hmm. in me. Uh, you oh, know, and they I were. See. I think the takeaway from that is that divorce makes people go crazy. Mm. And I think both my parents were just not okay. But mm. then both saying that I'm okay. Right. <laughs> but then I was just like, okay. Like, so you presented as okay, right. Okay, and then, yeah. and then my sister was like running off with these like kids who were like drinking and like mm. and smoking and stuff. And she was like really young. She was mm. like a kid hanging with these like young teenagers and i was like also trying to mother her so i was just like why are you hanging with these kids and you know like don't hang with them there's a lot going on and she's like you're not my mom Mm. (laughs) you know yeah so there was there's a lot and then so what i would do is i obviously like i would have like boyfriends Mm -hmm. i would just always be hanging with with a boyfriend because obviously yeah i can think about love and just having a good time with so so the boyfriend was the distraction i think so yeah because you didn't obviously didn't realize home. that at the time, but you. Yeah, yeah, and I think now looking back, why romantic relationships have been like the center of my life, and why I always write about because they're intertwined with d- d- with with everything. Divorce, I put yeah. all my happiness in in them, and mm. but then I also write a lot of songs about being alone and away from. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here, mate. There's a yeah, lot yeah. to unpack. So the so, at the same so this, time, your boyfriends were, were escapism, but they were also but you can't. They helped me as yeah, well. Yeah, there yeah. was. 
yeah, I don't want to think about like divorce. And I just want to explain like, so I grew up in Fiji. Everyone knows each other. Much like East London, to be fair, mate. Yeah, but like the <laughs> people, people, yeah. and I love, I love Fiji. Don't get me wrong. I love that place so much. Like I am the person I am today because of that place, you know, but you hear stories and like, Stories get twisted. There's like different chapters you never even heard that you did about yourself. I'm like, what? I was there at that time. Even I didn't even know about this. So sort of like growing up and asking things about like my parents and then and then my mom having to move back to Singapore because she couldn't And your work. mom's Singaporean for She's Singaporean. The yeah. And your yeah. dad is my, my dad, my dad's English. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's English. I grew up in Surrey. <laughs> she couldn't work there. So she had to move. So like... Obviously dealing with all these things, parent having to move and people, I remember people asking me like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Did you feel very displaced at that point? Like emotionally and geographically because you were moving about? No, no, no. I was like, I remember my mom going, you're going to move back with me, right? And I was like, no. Like me and my sister were like, we're going to stay in Fiji. Right. (laughs) Where we're living our best lives here. So it was like dad, Joel, my sister and I just like, you know, living there. So yeah, at this point, I'm just like, I'm just trying to live my life. I don't really know what's happening. There's a lot of like drama happening. Not a lot of stability right now, I'm feeling. Terrible stability. Mm. But I didn't realize how unstable Mm. it was until moving to London. That's when everything hit me all at once. Because you had repressed all of it. Repress and and you just move forward. I think. And then the Mentos went into the Coke bottle and then boom, when you went to London. You know, like when people can't deal with change, I have so little empathy for them, I think naturally, (laughs) because I was so used to just like change is inevitable you just have to keep pushing so i'm very good at adapting in situations but you didn't want to move to singapore so you didn't want that change no 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 i was like i had all my friends in fiji that's I what i'm saying so you didn't want you didn't want to change you want to changing as in like you know like external things that i can't control you know right like, you just have to keep going so then when i moved here and then obviously i lived on my own and then i was like i didn't realize i didn't know what depression was i didn't know anything mm-hmm. about mental this is a time i don't know if it was the same in the uk but like you know there was like no talk about mental health in, in fiji no. at that time this is like 12 years ago i don't know if that was a thing here no not 12 years ago i would say the mental health conversation only really started i'd say about 2014 yes okay so never heard about about anything and then again i was here and i, w- I was dating a guy and i was like acting up and being all crazy i was like i love you and then going off and kissing another guy right. i was yeah i was not okay so you're not okay i'm not okay but i didn't know that i was not okay okay and then he was like i think you're depressed <laughs> because he he had he was like aware of like the mental health stuff i didn't know anything about therapy didn't know anything about this world and he was like yeah i think you're depressed and i think you have anxiety mm. issues and i was like hold on a second like shut up and then like on reflection and doing some research i was like oh my god i have issues i have issues and so i went to a doctor like mm-hmm. the nhs doctor and i was like i think i'm depressed and they just weren't helpful at all like no empathy and he was like oh, how long ago was, was like, this this was again i don't know like 2013 2014 okay maybe? so the conversation was very different back then yeah yeah and then so the doctor yeah and then he was just yeah i remember him just being like well why do you think that like being very cold and like standoffish and i was like i don't know like somebody told me <laughs> you know so i'm like age like 19 20 here and then they just give you like a piece of paper and you just fill in like are you anxious yes, yes. yeah the tick rate exercise, from one to yeah. ten if mm. you're sad or whatever mm. so i remember feeling that out and i handed it back to him and he was like oh yeah yeah okay you're depressed so do you want to do you want antidepressants or do you want to go to therapy and mm-hmm. i was like i'll go to therapy because i think i need to talk about stuff how did that go so yeah so i had the therapy you can get with the nhs thankfully mm-hmm. again this country offers that and on speaking, I realized, oh, I'm actually really upset about this divorce and what went down with my family. And I did not see that at all. You would think, right? After mm. explaining all this stuff to you, that it's obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me at all. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then, yeah, actually speaking to her, I was like, oh, I'm actually like sad. So when you this. went to the therapy, was it attachment issues you were working through? I think just or more like- attachment issues? <laughs> just talking through the fact that what happened was sad and not- acknowledging that this happened so i'm getting emotional now <laughs> it's all right pal take your time take your time yeah. sorry it's all right pal take your time i never talk about this give it a tissue yeah, <laughs> 
Thank you. <laughs> My issue is I want to start crying. Sometimes I can't stop. Right. Okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but you didn't expect this, eh? No. I literally did not expect that. <laughs> Like, this is what crying? this is what this pod's for, Jazz. This is what yeah. this pod's for. I think it just makes me sad that like nobody helped me. Hmm. Like my parents didn't really. I think they sort of like neglected Joel and I for a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had to like figure out. You're working out a lot of stuff, pal. You yeah, had to yeah, do a yeah. Lot of stuff, yeah. Like we didn't have the support, and I can't even imagine what my sister went through because she was younger and. I think she just felt even more alone. Anyway, mm. yeah. What did you learn in the therapy to help you then? I think it was more just like talking about it mm-hmm. and not feeling guilty about talking about it because when it came to my parents, they're both confiding in me. I couldn't really talk to both of them. It was more mm. just listening and just getting lots of like, they're just throwing everything at you. So talking to the therapist was more just like the release. Like, oh, mm. I went through this. And it was sad. It was sad. And, and you and were it's okay, okay to feel sad. Yeah. yeah. And not having to be strong and... Is that what you felt at the time? That you had to be yeah, strong you had to for your sister up. and you had to exactly. be strong for your mum and dad? Exactly. Yeah. And realising that like, oh, I was a child. Like, mm. obviously I'm not going to be okay. And mm. yeah. I think what happens sometimes is that when we reflect back, sometimes the guilt and the shame or all of these emotions is because we're looking at ourselves as a child, but from an adult lens rather than as a child. And also you having to be strong like for other people because mm. other people are asking you questions and you don't want to like embarrass your parents like you want to still like oh yeah they're fine they're fine you know mm. like why do i have that role mm. do you uh, feel like you were sort of holding your family together at that point uh maybe a little bit or you felt like a responsibility to like you are the glue that held I, I them think, together i think i tried to but i also like would run away with boyfriends as well <laughs> you know get lost in that stuff so you, gave, you gave yourself a little bit of time yeah yeah so what did you feel like you had to unlearn then? And what did you learn that you've taken with you forward now? I think this whole thing, my struggle has mm-hmm. really built my character. I think it's made me very aware of mental health. I'm very in touch with my emotions. And that's why I'm on this podcast as well, because I am very passionate about mental health and talking about things and going to therapy and I wish that everyone in this world I know it's not accessible to everyone but I wish everyone could go to therapy just once in their lives because I think everyone would be a lot more happier and following their passions when it comes to self-confidence pal how does music help you with your self-confidence I think with music you're always meeting people and putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there you have just have to be extroverted you know in that way you just have to put yourself out there so I think it it just gives you that confidence because I was a very shy kid extremely 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 shy uh whereas now i can i can just talk to anyone. you're not shy talking to me <laughs> i can talk to anyone that's fine but i'm also very introverted so i'm out talking now to you but when i'm at home hmm. i don't talk to anyone i have to i'm just like by myself do you think the music industry forces you to become what we would say in the mental health world an extroverted introvert yes because i know a lot of songwriters and stuff like that you need time to think so there's a lot of people that are introverts you have to put yourself out there, mm. right? So I know that I'm naturally introverted. Secondly would be obviously performing on stage. Like, mm. I think everything is just putting yourself out there. Being it, vulnerable. Yeah, mm. but I think, because I've done it for so long, I don't think that like... It's you know, normal to you now. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just normal to, you know, you have, you have to sing on stage, you have to tell your life story, you have to go on podcasts and talk about <laughs> your mental health. Like, you have to put yourself, you have to expose yourself, right? Yeah. And I don't realize how powerful that is because when i see other interviews i'm like damn like their story is so good i'm doing one right now and that is like that's a lot yeah that's a lot and i think when i'm in again like flow state and creating things and creating the visuals and songwriting i'm like yeah like i'm doing this i get to create this and that is fun and that also boosts my confidence what do you hope to achieve with the future then with your mental health and i guess with music mental health for mental health, I think for me, I think most people as well, is finding balance. Not every day is perfect. It's, it's always up and down. So it's, you know, and you have to do the little things to keep your head in check. For me, exercising, working out 20, 30 minutes a day, just moving your body, even that's walking. I'm a big advocate for journaling. It's called morning pages, like writing three pages in the morning. Do you handwrite them? Yeah, you wow. have to. Even if it's just writing whatever, like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. <laughs> 
it worked. It really works in the subconscious. So journaling, talking to people, meditating, like I, yeah, all the mental health, like all the stuff to get your mental health in check. I'm like a big advocate for that. And I think for me, yes, just constantly finding balance and finding beauty in life and trying to find the positivity in mm-hmm. life. Cause I know I can be quite negative. Building on that, the most important quote that I found in our chat affair is when you said, am I good enough? Do you mm. feel good enough now? Yes. When I spoke to you then, I was in a different place. Mm. But I feel like I'm always, we're always all like evolving. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel a lot more confident this Why? year. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I've just I've been sitting down and working on my sound and working on my tone, and meeting the right people and hanging with the right crowd. People who are there to support you and encourage you is a really yeah, your real ones, real yeah, ones. Because yeah. a lot of people that like they're fake. <laughs> not even fake, but like, not even just negative. People just say stupid comments. They don't even think before they speak. That's like me a lot of the time. But, but less well with the stupid, co- stupid comments in a different way. <laughs> People just say things. And think they before don't you speak, think... Freddie. Think before you speak constantly. <laughs> I disagree. I think you can think. People, you know, and then people who... Sorry, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh... Do, you, do you mean like kind of people make comments to you after gigs or like just social... anything. Anything, like... okay. And I'm very aware of what I say to people. Mm-hmm. And I think just hanging around positive people who are like, yeah, like you are creating good art. Like, and mm. Because I know I personally am very encouraging to people. I never put anyone down. I'm always like, do your thing, like do your passion. And you can only give so much of that. You also need, you need some you back. Need to yeah, see some yeah, back. Yeah. So yeah, finding like supportive people. And I've spent a lot of alone time thinking as well. Mm. And that's really helped me spending a lot of time positive alone time positive yeah, yeah, time yeah. like being introverted and searching within and yeah yeah I just I feel good this year I'm like let's go you know I've got some songs like in the pipeline and I'm really excited to to share and also realizing that I'm a lot more visual that I want to get involved in more video and visuals and that's so that allows me... you to be creative in a different way yeah yeah and I think for me it's about telling stories through music so i do think about the soundscape but i don't really think about the chords for me it's, it's more about the lyrics and the sounds everything and else stuff. comes after and lyrics come first yeah yeah and, yeah and the visuals and i don't know i'm like oh yeah this is my path so i'm like finding my i'm on the right path now mm. whereas before i was like i don't get like these chords i don't get this sharp 11 <laughs> stuff i don't fit in with this and, and realizing yeah i just don't fit in with that and that's okay mm. <laughs> let's reflect on your mental health journey now jazz so what is this mental health journey taught you about yourself it's taught me that i'm a lot stronger than i think do you know how often that answer gets said on this podcast mate (laughs) so many times honestly isn't there a quote or something by socrates or something you would know more than me i feel like i hated philosophy in school so i dropped it after a levels he might have said something like it's really hard to know thyself or something like that right i think you don't know what you're capable of until you're obviously pushed Mm. or put yourself in until you take the leap Take the leap, challenge yourself. And yeah, just realizing like trusting yourself. I know I've already said this. I think that I'm stronger than I think. I need to like make a little mental note of that. Like my little achievements and stuff. So when, when you I, listen to this I'm... back, you can do yeah. that. Right? <laughs> um, and trusting your intuition and gut feeling when you know something's off. Trust you your know gut. Yeah, yeah, trust your gut. I love that. As a final question, if you could go back and talk to the Jasmine in Fiji who was nervous about starting singing and having to singing in front of family as a four or five-year-old or six-year-old, the Jasmine who was really struggling to process her parents' divorce or the Jasmine who was just about to put more solo music out again, what would you say to her knowing what you do now? Oh, why are you making me cry? <laughs> That's not the question I, I get know. people cry at. Oh my God. Um, I don't know. One second. I don't know why I'm crying again. <laughs> I had this effect on people, mate. Sorry. <sighs> Take your time. Um. Let's go with the easy one first. Go with the jazz who was getting forced to do singing in front of her, in front of her cousins. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'd say just don't worry about it. Like, they're your family. You just got to allow You're good as well. You're good. You're good for a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're asking you to sing for a reason. I know it can be a bit annoying, but it's fine. And like, you're starting on an amazing musical journey. And like, 
you're gonna be in London soon, like doing music and like talking on mental health podcasts. <laughs> like, gosh, making this sound a lot bigger than it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it. You know, it is a full circle moment kind of thing. And what was the other question? What would you say to the Jasmine who was putting out solo music or about to do that? That's the second difficult part. I'll ask you the final difficult part at the end. Just keep going. Like, just yeah. keep being consistent. Mm-hmm. You will find the answers through music and through art. And, like, you're totally meant to do this. Like, again, you've been given gifts of empathy and music. And just allow it. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, I just fought against it. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, I'm not good enough, not good enough. And also, the guy I was dating at that time... <laughs> what, wasn't as supportive? I think I put him on the pedestal. Right. And didn't see my own light and i don't think he encouraged me as much Mm -hmm. it was more about him and yeah like again you're stronger than you think you know you're on the right track and just believe in yourself i think that's probably my lesson it's like yeah just believe Mm. in yourself and the jazz who was going through that divorce oh don't worry everything's gonna be okay okay there we go everything's gonna be okay because everything that happens in life it just builds your character it makes you who you are and it makes you more grateful and thankful so thanks Our final topic of conversation, Jazz. You've done really well. You've gotten to the end now. Okay, this is our quick fire chat that I have with every guest about our mental health. So firstly, how is your mental health, mate? I think my mental health is... I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, outside of this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this just, again, I think for me, it's just doing those little things daily, Mm -hmm. you know, just like 10-minute meditation or journaling, because Mm -hmm. if not, I can... Yeah, you can spiral. Yeah, yeah. And I think learning that that is just life. Being human is just yeah, it's part of life, isn't it? Strange. You can't you can't always be happy. You can't always be sad. No. Yeah. If you're always (laughs) sad, it's a big finding balance. But yo, Mm. I'm good. I'm in a Mm. really good place. So thank you. What age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health and you realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? Uh, I think. Maybe when I was like an early teenager, when mm-hmm. I was like 13, I mm-hmm. realized that I was quite like an emotional kid and very sensitive to things. Mm. Was it an eureka moment or was it a gradual process? Gradual. And mm-hmm. then obviously, again, when I was 19, 20, then actually... Was that when you came to London? Coming to yeah. London the and The Mentos learning... and the Coke bottle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, learning yeah. mental health language mm-hmm. and like that world. That's when I was like, oh yeah, this is a thing. And I want to be an advocate for that. And I want to mm-hmm. be part of this community. What things do you find in life that trigger your mental health? So it could be things people say to you. It could be a sound, a sensation, being in a particular environment. Or have you not figured all of them out? I think one thing is, again, just people just saying stupid Stupid comments to me. Because I am quite, like, sensitive and quite, like, empathetic. Again, Mm -hmm. like, I don't... I don't say... You know, I would never put anyone down and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I realized that people... You never do it to them. So why are they doing to it to them, you? To them. Yeah. But like, I don't think they're even putting me down. People just say stupid comments without thinking yeah, about how dumb. that might yeah, yeah, make yeah. someone feel. I have to remind myself about that. Not a lot of emotionally intelligent people are making these comments. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Can you <laughs> remember the first conversation you ever had with someone about your mental health? So who was it with? What did you say? And how did you feel afterwards? Did it feel like a, on the one hand, this big moment or a big burden or weight had been lifted off your shoulders or on the other something quite easy insignificant and normal to do mental health i mean like specifically mental health or just like telling like oh it's like it could be con- anyone it doesn't have to be a therapist just anyone confiding in someone friend family member teacher whoever i feel like even from young like having you know like your best friends when mm-hmm. you was when i was a child this is your chance to shout them out <laughs> <laughs> this is the one my chance sister, like my best friend rana like i had like so many like really good friends growing up i had so many friends growing up but like mm. a few like best friends and we oh, were geez. always confiding yeah. each other you know about boys and about school and mm. when we were feeling sad and maybe that's also part of like being like a girl maybe i know that boys don't have that like maybe growing up our way. modus operandi is more taking the piss yeah oh, when, when there's a few beers then yeah, we all yeah, start yeah. having big, exactly. deep, deep conversations but no no like yeah. from, from young like yeah i have like best friends and we talk and we read each other's diaries and stuff like that so yeah i think the practice of, of confiding has, has always been there mm. we've talked about tools and methods in the previous topic so my next question is what has been the best book or as i call it mental health bible you've read for your mental health now it can be mental health or self-help related doesn't exclusively have to be and if you can't think of a book a podcast a tv show any piece of popular culture? I think uh, definitely recommend the vent. <laughs> <laughs> is it the vent or vent? They're just vent. vent. Just vent. It's the like, vent. It's like when the fa- one and only. Yeah, like, it's, it's like when Facebook changed from the Facebook to Facebook. That's all I say. It's just vent. Yeah. 
I think for me, it would be The Artist's Way. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No. Who's that by? Is it Julia Cameron? I, I feel like it's it's a it's a 12-week exercise book and you're supposed to find like your art and creativity. And I feel a lot of people that read this book might think it's like a bit airy-fairy, mm-hmm. but it's not because this is where... I mean, it is for creative, so it's going to be a little bit like that. But it's for everyone. <laughs> it's, for, it's, it's, fine. it's about finding passion. Mm. So even if it's just cooking, being creative, it, it just gives you like exercises food for thought and that's where the morning pages is from mm. the, the writing three mm-hmm. three pages a day you should read rick rubin's new book yeah yeah on creative rick rubin is a big bearded guy created he's like one of the biggest american music producers he's produced for eminem jay-z everyone he's got a big white beard oh yeah 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 okay yeah rick that rubin's book. new book i recommend for you okay thank you but yeah that the book, artist the, way the artist way i'm surprised you haven't heard of that actually never heard of it it's yeah it's amazing it, i've got it, a lot really, of books here but that's not ones it, i tend to read it changed my life wow um, okay yeah, powerful is that mm. and what else can i think of we'll i love esther that. perel as well she's on oh, sex okay. and relationships i don't know if you've heard of her no i was watching her youtube videos she's amazing okay let's move on to my final two questions if there was a mantra in life that summed up your mental health, what would it be and why? That's so hard. <laughs> this is my really toughest hard. question. This is my toughest question. <sighs> like a saying that you abide by or a phrase or a quote or... I think there'll be two. Okay. so cheesy. Yeah, go, go on. But go one on. of them would just be just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, that's come up a few times in this podcast. Just pod, go so with the flow. Sense. Like, yeah, just allow things, you know, and just allowed like don't push against things sometimes just go with it like everything will be better in the end and yeah just allow for things uh, and the second one don't take things too seriously okay wow it sounds like every hinge prompt i've seen from every girl <laughs> just chill okay like life is a journey life's an adventure and just enjoy it like don't just like i hate like people who get really defensive i hate all that stuff like just chill it's normally a trauma response to be honest but yeah i know yeah and they are dumb because mm. they just like everyone knows because you're just exposing yourself mm. when you do that yeah they don't realize it unfortunately so yeah because I, I used to be that person oh, okay what more do we have to do as a final question to ensure people from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health if most importantly they want to do it i think um the trailblazers mm-hmm. and, like people that are like leading their communities do need to be having these conversations like no matter no matter field, no matter where you're working, I just think that it just needs to become more of a normalized conversation. What I'm saying is nothing new. Like, this is obviously common sense. There's still taboo around mental health, especially taboo, men's mate. mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, I really feel sorry for you, gang, sometimes. Well, I'm you know, more but I know it's than getting I was five there. years ago when I started yeah, this, yeah. A lot and, of work's been done. I think if everyone was just a lot more empathetic and understanding towards each other, yes. it would just be a much easier place to live mm. in. And taking accountability. That's, yes. That is a main... Ownership. Ownership. Yes. I feel like humans are always blaming other people. Mm. Oh, I'm like this because of this person. I'm like this mm-hmm. person. Everyone needs to like spend time reflecting and mm-hmm. taking ownership and accountability for maybe things that they are... That they could do better about themselves. Like, if you're a terrible person, you can't keep blaming someone for the rest of your life at some Own point. Own your shit. That's my, that's my, that's my point, life mantra. Like, I know some people are like, oh, like yeah this person's this way because of like their parents i'm like this person's 35 like they're all they're, they're old enough to know they're, what's they're right and wrong adult, yeah yeah like <laughs> there comes a time where you have to decide you're old enough to know what's right and wrong mm-hmm. and you need to take accountability for your own actions and i think that's it take accountability everyone needs to be a bit more understanding and be a lot more self-aware so i think with the mental health conversations there needs to be a lot more self-awareness i think as well mm-hmm. but also you can't do everything by yourself you yes. have to do it in a community so therefore Finding balance is, is a big one for me. You gotta okay. find balance. You gotta, you know, work on yourself and also work with other people. And yeah. <laughs> and on that very positive note, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on behind the mic and checking in with me, pal. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of Behind the Mic. I want to say a big thank you to Jasmine for being my special guest on this episode and for letting me go behind the mic with her. Jasmine's latest single we discussed, Forgive Me, will play us out and I'll put all of Jasmine's streaming and social media links in the show notes as always. I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media, 
tell your friends or work colleagues about Vent and the podcast. If you're feeling generous, please write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and help us out with the algorithm. If you like what we're doing here at Vent and want to support us further, you can do so by going to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or buy a Vent t-shirt. Both those links are on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. You wanna know everything? What if they've been whispering? I know we're too good for this. I...